Hey, just want to get ahead of this as always to remind you that Cavalcade of Tales has adult language and adult themes. In addition, today's episode contains a multitude of various traditions that I did not grow up in, and in no way are these meant to belittle um, or make light of any of these traditions. Hello everyone and welcome back to Cavalcade of Tales. Um, I'm your host as always, Drew, the millennial with a history degree. Um, if you keen to your listeners realize that this is morning voice again it's because um turn to yeah be frank uh my job fucking sucks and i'm exhausted so this is another morning of recording i apologize for all the um, inconsistency i'm trying to get some fucking shit taken care of in real life and it's affecting this unfortunately and i apologize for that um, today's episode is going to um, mix mythology with personality tests. So, a lot of people might be familiar with something known as the Myers Briggs personality test. And so, it's like your four letters, and it's, the, you know, that tells you about your what your personality type is. So, what I have for you today and potentially next week depending on how long this takes is I went in I took the Myers-Briggs check myself because it's been a while and I didn't remember what I was I have a explanation of how the test works and the different subcategories and then I'm going to go through each of the 16 personality types and assign a god from mythology to it um I am not a professional psychologist or, frankly, any of the um, psych things. This is purely with my knowledge of the subject and some strong Googling that I assigned all these deities. Um, Feel free to get in contact if you think that you have some better ideas for who would be certain gods. Um, I tried not to overlap, I tried to use a bunch of different traditions, um, well, except monotheism, because, you know, that doesn't give me a lot to work with. And, yeah, let's, uh, get right into this, I guess. Okay, so the first step is I gotta actually explain how this whole thing works. So, the Myers-Briggs personality test is made up of five personality aspects that, when combined, define the personality spectrum. So, the first step is mind. This aspect shows how we interact with our surroundings, uh, divided into introverted. Those who prefer solitary activity get exhausted by social interaction and are sensitive to external stimuli. And extroverted who gain enough energy from group activities, highly enthusiastic and tend to excite easily. Um, So, this will be your first letter of your Myers-Briggs, where you'll be either E or an I. I should probably also note that a lot of the stuff for the Myers-Briggs section of this, I took all of it from the 16personalities.com, which has the test if you want to take it yourself. Okay, sorry, I had something on my tongue. Um, next is energy. This aspect determines how we see the world and process information. Uh, This is between observant individuals who are highly practical, pragmatic, and tend to have strong habits and focus on what's happening or what's already happened, and intuitive people who are imaginative, curious, and open-minded. 
and who tend to prefer novelty over uh, stability while focusing on the hidden meanings and future possibilities. In the um, acronym, this is your second letter, which is an S or an N. The third aspect is nature. This aspect covers how we make decisions and cope with our emotions. Uh, It divides into thinkers who tend to favor logical thinking, rationality, and objectivity, tending to hide their feelings to value efficiency. And then feeling individuals who are sensitive and are emotionally expressive, focusing on empathy and social harmony, and they tend to be a little bit less competitive. This is your third letter of the acronym being either a T or an F. The fourth letter is tactics. Uh, This reflects the approach to work planning and decision making. Judging individuals are decisive, thorough, and organized for clarity. They're predictably... uh, They are organized for clarity, predictability, closure, and structure versus prospecting individuals who tend to favor improvision. I can't even read my own handwriting today. And staying open to opportunities and being flexible, relaxed, and keeping their options open. Um, In the traditional Myers-Briggs, this is the last letter of the acronym divided into J or P. However, there is a fifth one that often comes up. This is known as identity. It's a modifier to your personality type. So this final modifier underpins all aspects showing the confidence behind our actions. Assertive people are self-assured, even-tempered, and refuse to worry too much, and they don't push themselves too hard in tasks to avoid stress. Whereas turbulent people are self-conscious and prone to stress, their wide range of emotions tend to make them success-driven perfectionists and constantly seeking improvement. Um, So, like, an example of this, I'll use myself as an example. So my personality type is INFP with a T modifier. So I am introverted. I am, uh, what is N? Da, 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 da. I into So yeah, introverted, intuitive. I am feeling and I am prospecting and I have a turbulent modifier. So, you know, in addition to being those four things I tend so it's like okay I'm introverted I'm you know I'm you know drained by social activity I am intuitive which is curious and open-minded I am feeling which means I am more focused on empathy and social harmony I am prospecting which means I tend to favor improvisational and keeping things open, but I am turbulent, which is self-conscious and um, perfectionist, um, which anybody who knows me in real life would uh, be like, yeah, no, that makes sense. So within these 16 personalities, there are these things called the four typal groups. So what it does is it takes all of the different acronyms, the because there's 16 options. It ignores the modifiers, because the only diff- thing the modifier changes, whether you're confident or not pretty much which as someone who isn't naturally confident is a bit shit um but they divided into four groups based off the roles and its interests and preferred activities for that group um so this is where i'm going to start getting into a lot more detail i'm going to go group by group um i'll start with what the overarching group is and then move into each of the specific personality types and gods. 
is how I'm going to plan the structure. So if you hear a lot of page turning, it's because I didn't do this when I was taking the notes. I wrote down all the type stuff and then, you know, did every single, all the 16 gods. Which might be why this these notes took three fucking weeks to make. <laughs> this was originally going to be something about, like, personality types in dating sims and how we could use it as an ethnography, but now that has to be a whole different episode because this just got the fuck out of control. So... The first typal group are the analysts. They are intuitive thinking types who embrace rationality and impartiality, excelling in intellectual debates and scientific or technological fields. Fiercely independent, open-minded, strong-willed, and imaginative, they approach many things from a utilitarian perspective and are far more interested in what works than what satisfies everyone. The first of these types, because they all have little names, and this is through the typal the typal types um they all have their little names and on 16 personalities it like gives you like a whole write-up being like this is your type these are its strengths these are its weaknesses here are some celebrities that are the same and i'm like you know what they don't have mythological beings so i'm providing a service so the first type is an architect this is intj uh, this is actually one of the rarer types. INTJ are thoughtful tacticians who love perfecting the um, details of life, applying creativity and rationality to everything that they do. They have a, a complex private inner world. So the parallel I saw here was Odin, the Allfather, uh, chief of the Theater of Norse mythology. Upon his throne, he Hildreskal, he wanted to learn everything and gain all of the knowledge hidden to him. In his pursuit of knowledge, he sacrificed his own eye into Mimir's well and threw away his spear Gangnir in a ritualistic suicide. He then proceeded to hang himself in Yggdrasil for nine days and nine nights, which learned him the magics of other realms and the ability to read runes. It's It's a lot, but that's just... He's also, like the patron of poetry and creativity. So the second of our analysts are the logisticians, INTP. These are flexible thinkers who enjoy taking unconventional approaches to the as many aspects of life. They often take unlikely paths to ensure their own creativity. Um, some of these sections, whether it be the blurb about their type or the god themselves, will vary in size based off the information I have and making it work for the structure and the point I'm trying to make. Um, so the logistician I thought of was Enki, who is the Sumerian god of water, knowledge, crafts, fertility, semen, magic, and mischief. Enki was the father of Inanna, and one of the, the little things I thought would be good for the story is that Enki has a story where Inanna went and got him plastered. And while drunk, he gave her all of the mes, which is M-E-S. They are the divine decrees that the gods have to create civilization. Once he had slept off his hangover, he realized that Anana had escaped with the mes, and he went to chase after her. However, once he found her, he realized that she had given the mes to create Uruk, a town of man which Enki decided to ally himself with and become like a patron god of. There are some other little things Enki does here and there. Um, for example, in Sumerian mythology, he is the one who starts the Great Flood. If you remember from last week, the Epic of Gilgamesh, um, he's the guy who was really pissed off at humans, tried to kill them all, but 
when he realized that he had been tricked and two humans survived, he turned them into immortal beings so that he, to prove a point being like, no humans have fucking survived. The next one in this little bracket is the commanders who are ENTJ. These are decisive people who love momentum and accomplishment. They gather information and quickly act in creative visions without much hesitation. I thought this was uh, great for Hermes and Mercury um, because of the not a lot of difference between the Greek and the Romans. All the Greco-Roman gods I used, I'm using both names. So Hermes slash Mercury is the Greco-Roman god of messengers, thieves, uh, and commerce, who has acted as a psychopomp. Um, For those of you who don't know, psychopomps are those who are the conductors of souls into the afterlife. Uh, As the son of Zeus and Maya, uh, um, he, between his duties as the divine messenger and psychopomp, he also is the divine trickster. Uh, in Hesiod, Hermes is the one who gave Pandora the ability to lie and seduce man with her words, which isn't surprising because Hesiod is a massive uh, fucking misogynist. Um, he's also sometimes said to be the father of Pan due to having sex with the woman Penelopea as a goat, creating the satyr god. If you can recall back to the episode of gods who die um this is one of the myths of the creation of pan and because she is named penelopea she sometimes gets confused with penelope the wife of odysseus but they're two different women because they don't just because they have similar names doesn't mean that they're the same woman um the last one in our um oh god i already forgot the name of this group it is the analysts is the debater entp these are bold and creative people who enjoy deconstruction and rebuilding of ideas with great mental dexterity. They tend to pursue their goals regardless of any resistance. So this one is a little bit of a stretch. Um, but I think this is Suwada or Pethio, which is the grace of persuasion and one of the attendants of Venus or Aphrodite. Um, one of the big things and the reason why i thought this was someone who would pursue their goals regardless of you know resistance or frankly the terrors that could happen is pethio is one of the um is the grace that persuaded helen to leave troy to go with paris or leave for troy to go with paris so in one way pethio's um persuasion is what caused the trojan war so that brings us to our second personality type, which is diplomats. Diplomats focus on empathy and cooperation, shining in diplomacy and counseling. People in this group are cooperative and imaginative, often playing the role of harmonizers in social circles due to their warm empathy and influence. So the first of these types is the advocate, INFJ. These people who approach life with deep thoughtfulness and imagination, whose inner vision and personal values and quiet, principled version of humanitarianism guides them in every aspect of their life. Um, the deity I chose for this one is Forseti, who is the Norse god of justice and reconciliation. Upon Glimir, his hall um, of silver and gold. This hall is a symbol of the importance of discussion rather than violence to resolve certain types of conflict. He is the son of Balder and Nana, and is direct opposition to the god Tyr, 
who is, quote, not a reconciler of men, end quote. Um, one interesting little side note I got to put in is Forsetti is argued by Norse scholars that he only gets this accolade due to his name and uh, might not actually be um, the like adjudicator of the gods because there isn't really any extant or surviving stories of him in this way. So the next of these types are the mediators, INFP. This is the group that I am in. We make up 4% of the population. Uh, we are people who are quiet, open-minded, and imaginative, who apply caring and creative approaches to all of life's actions. Um, the ver- I had to be careful with this one because I didn't want to seem like I was just patting myself on the back. Be like, oh, look at me, I am this deity. Um, which um, my self-consciousness about picking a deity is why I have the timid um, fucking personality modifier. Um, the deity I chose was Guan Yin is a Batsava, which is a uh, Buddha to be, and it is associated with compassion. During missionary work in China, the Jesuits would call her the goddess of mercy, and on the sixth lunar month, on the 19th day, her attainment of Buddhahood is celebrated. In Chinese myth, she is an all-hearing, all-seeing being who is called upon during times of uncertainty, despair, and fear. Um, One of the interesting things I saw in my research of guanyin is also they are in what we consider like an intersex or gender fluid deity because there is the goddess of mercy side and then there is the um bringing peace to people on the battlefield whether it be the peace to you know slaughter their enemies or whatnot and in those aspects guanyin is actually depicted as a male so that's something that's kind of interesting it could also be the um buddhist and like the tradition those like chinese buddhist indian traditions where they um some deities are multi-gendered and um and as again we say intersex um because uh hermaphroditic is uh inappropriate so the next type is the protagonist these are the enfjs these are warm forthright types who love helping others and have strong ideas and values they back their perspective with a creative energy to achieve their goals Uh, this one i thought would be fun for calliope she is the chief of all muses and presides over the eloquence and the epic poetry daughter of zeus and nesemone she is said to be uh have beaten the daughters of king uh, Pyrrhus of thessaly in a vocal contest and for the daughter's insolence she turned them into magpies um her most famous son is orpheus and is believed to be the inspiration for homer's odyssey and the iliad and virgil's aeneid the third of these personality types is the campaigner ENFP. These people tend to embrace big ideas and actions that reflect their sense of hope and goodwill towards others. This one was a bit weird. I could have put this god in another spot, but I really liked this for uh, Dionysus slash Bacchus, uh, the Greek god of winemaking, festivity, religious ecstasy, and theater. Um, part of this also was just um, to talk about Dionysus a little bit. Uh, daughter, um, daughter child of uh zeus and semele in some traditions um it is believe so in that tradition uh what had happened was zeus knocked up semele hera being pissed as always because hera 
Hera spends a lot of time being pissed about her husband because he just, you know, is just throwing out bastards left, right, and fucking center. So what it was is she appeared as a guise of a, a old woman to Semeline was like, if your man says he's a god, then why doesn't he show you his godhood? And I ain't talking about his dick. So Semele was just like, show me your godhood. And then Zeus went to be with Togo. She's like, not that one. I want to see you as an actual god, if you are a god. But the thing is, like, you know, eldritch beings, um, you can't look upon a deity. And so Semele died looking upon Zeus and his, like, immortal, immortal glory. And in order to save the child, suddenly carried Zeus actually, like, grafted it into her womb, into his leg, to finish gestation. Uh, which makes uh, Dionysus known as, like, the Twiceborn. Um, the other reason Dionysus is known as the Twiceborn has to do with the Orphic tradition, where originally Zeus had a son named Zagreus um, with Persephone. However, um, and Zagreus was like the fucking goat of gods not like goat as in like satyr but he was like greatest of all time and um however the titans were like fuck your child and they killed him and uh zeus in his grief you know was like we need to make a new one so dionysus was born and he's sometimes known as the twice born zagreus because he's the son of zeus that's supposed to be like badass um for fans of the video game hades that's why there's a lot of jokes about um, talking to Orpheus and talking about how uh, Dionysus and uh, Zagreus are the same person because there's this whole version of the twice-born Zagreus. Yeah. Again, I am not an expert in Orphic tradition, but um, it seems very interesting and I want to learn about it. So there may be someday an episode on Orphic traditions. Ad break. All right. Um, so as many of you know, I have a Patreon, uh, Calicative Tales at patreon.com. And um, for $5 a month, you can help start the uh, Discord community. We have a book club. Uh, you, um, When I'm not getting my ass handed to me at work, um, you get early episodes. Um, eventually, they'll be ad-free. I um, had to wait on adding ads because fucking adding ads to this was expensive. Like, it costs so much money to add ads fucking ridiculous you know spend money to make money okay eat all the dicks um in addition to the discord community and uh, early episodes you also um get to ask questions that i'll answer at the beginning of each episode um in lieu of the cold open and uh also have the option to join the we don't talk about book club book club um uh this month's book uh which we are running out of is the witch and the czar by olenskia Salonovka Gilmore. Um, it's a wonderful Baba Yaga retelling. Um, I know Friday is the first, so I will be announcing the next month's uh, book on TikTok, and you can find that out at uh, following me on TikTok. I'm trying to get into Book Talk. Um, it's a never-ending struggle, and um, so you can find me at TikTok on a White Trash Historian and. Uh, for those of you who are also just curious about what the uh, next book club book will be, it'll be posted there on Friday for the um, on my TikTok. And thank you for this ad break. So the third group we're on. We're already on the third group. This isn't going to need to be two episodes. Um, so the third group is known as the Sentinels. These are cooperative and highly practical, embracing so 
people. They're embracing and creating order, security, and stability when possible. They tend to be hardworking, meticulous, and excel in administrative duties, but tend to be inflexible and reluctant to see other points of view. So our first one is the logistician, ISTJ. Uh, these people tend to be reserved, yet uh, well, yet well fill. What? Willful. That's the fucking word. Can't even read my own handwriting. Uh, willful with a rational outlook on life. They compose their actions purposefully and carefully carry them out. So the deity I thought would be good for this is uh, Arish Kagal. Uh, she is the Sumerian goddess of the underworld who guards her palace behind seven gates, which test any who try to get to her. And those, and there's uh, two separate myths that uh, show how these gates affect the world. For example, uh, Ishtar wanted some of the treasures of the underworld, so she came down to visit, you know, in the guise of coming to visit her sister. And what she had to do is she had to sacrifice a piece of clothing and sacrifice a little bit of power at each gate. So by the time she got to Ereshkigal, she was nude and powerless. And Ereshkigal was like, you're just after my fucking power. And she chained her up and the gods had to figure out some sort of negotiation because without Ishtar, nobody was fucking. So humanity goats like everything was starting to die out because nobody was fucking um one could argue that there was also no war because ishtar was one of those dual goddesses of um fertility and war but um people are still dying of old age and you know population worries so what happened was uh, ishtar's husband uh takes part of her punishment so but since he's the god of you know harvest um, it's kind of the Sumerian, it's the Hades and Persephone, the story of how the seasons work. So the reason there are the infertile months is because Ishtar's husband has to go spend time in the underworld to make up for his wife's crimes. The other phenomena that Erish Kigal causes is the setting of the sun. So the way this worked is uh, Nurgle had to go to the underworld. He is the sun god, and he had to apologize for transgressions he took against Erish Kigal's servants. How, so he went with an entourage, and their big thing is like, look, we're here to make sure you don't do anything stupid in the underworld, because if you do something stupid in the underworld, you're fucked, and you're stuck down here. Uh, however, at each gate, he was required to sacrifice a servant. So by the time he got to Erish Kigal, he had no advisors and completely forgot all the things he was told not to do so he ate and fucked her and so what happened is he tried to leave and she's like uh, -uh, uh you ate the fold of the underworld and you laid with its queen you are now my husband and you can't leave so they had to do a negotiation and what happened is he has to spend half of his time in the underworld which is essentially the euphemism for the sun setting is it, rather than you know in the greek tradition where you have helios flying over everything and essentially flying his chariot around the world and that's why the sun sets um the sun sets because nurgle's going to see his wife the next um type is the defender they are warm and unassuming oh this is isfj uh warm and unassuming in their own steady way they are efficient and responsible giving careful attention and practical details so i figured this was uh fulla uh, I thought of this as kind of like the Germanic goddess of horse cure and hospitality. Um, I figured, you know, warm and unassuming, but giving uh, practical 
attention. That's what you'd love in a uh, person who is accepting you into their home. It's very hospitality focused. So Fulla, uh, one of her big stories is in Norse mythology, uh, Frigg and Odin made a bet to see which one of their retainers would be more hospitable. And so what happened is Fulla, who is Frigg's sister, went to the Nordic king Gerud and warned him that there was going to be an important guest of that was going to come, which would be Odin in disguise, but she didn't tell him it was Odin in disguise. She just told him he was an important guest and that he would need to be treated with the utmost respect, which helped Frigg win the bet, which isn't technically cheating, I don't feel. Uh, the next one, let's see, nine, ten, oh, yeah, the next one is the executive. Uh, these people uh, possess great fortitude and emphatically following their own sense of judgment often work as stabilizing forces among others advising them during adversity i put down that this is thoth or jehuti which is the egyptian god of the moon who is the inventor of language who co-created hieroglyphics with the goddess Sheshat, and is the scribe and advisor of the deities um in one of his big things is in the myth of osiris um, which, if you remember from the episode of Gods Who Die, is the Egyptian god of the underworld whose brother cut him to pieces and his wife had to make a dildo to resurrect him. Um, in that myth, uh, Thoth was the one who protected Isis while she was pregnant because Osiris was in the underworld and couldn't help her. And when Horus's eye was damaged by Seth, because Seth was just a major fucking asshole, um, it was Thoth who was the one who healed him. The final one of our sentinels is the consul, who is ESFJ. These are attentive and people-focused. They love taking part in their community, and their achievements are guarded by decisive values and the willingness to guide others. Um, because these are so people-focused, I'm like, okay, so this one has to be one of those gods who like actually created humans. So I chose Huetzalopochtli. Um, my apologies, my um, Nawaddle is non-existent, so I apologize to anybody if that sounds wrong. But Huatzalopochtli is the Aztec god of the sun, who was instrumental in the creation of the universe. So there's two cosmology things about Huatzalopochtli. In one version, um, his mother was raped, and that's the reason he was born into being. But his 400 brothers and his sister, the moon, were incredibly angry with his mother for being knocked up in this way. So they planned to kill him. So what he did is he burst out of his mother's womb, fully clad in armor and weaponry, in order to fight off his siblings to protect, the, essentially, the mother universe. So in certain Aztec traditions, the reason that the sun chases the moon and the moon and stars can't come out while the sun is out is because if they are trying to destroy the universe, and it is only through the power of Huatzalopochtli that the universe gets to stay, and thus sacrifice is made to the sun. The other key myth is that Huatzalopochtli worked with his elder brother Quetzalcoatl, who is a lot bigger in the Mayan tradition, I've found. Um, that is the feathered serpent snake, or the um, Luce Libre hot lady from Fate Grand Order, um, if you've seen Absolute uh, demonic front Babylonia um, 
And what it was is Huitzilopochtli and Quetzalcoatl created many of the different firsts, um, including putting together the first man and woman, uh, which made Huitzilopochtli one of the uh, patrons of the Aztec Empire. Our final batch here is the Explorers. These are the most spontaneous of all the roles, and they share the ability to connect with their surroundings uh, that is completely unattainable by the other types. Explorers are utilitarian and practice and specializing in situations that require quick reaction and thinking uh, and being on your feet. They are great in a crisis. They can be risk-taking, though, and they tend to focus on things such as sensual pleasures. Um, so we're in our final four now. The first one is the virtuoso, ISTP. These tend to be individualistic people uh, who pursue goals without needing much external connection. They engage in life with inquisitiveness and personal skill, uh, and they vary their approach as needed. Uh, the deity I thought would work with this... Oh, excuse me. I'm drinking pumpkin spice coffee between takes to actually be a, a human who can function in society. Uh, the god who... <laughs> works with this one is Hephaestus uh, Vulcan, the Greco-Roman god of the forge, fire, blacksmith, and metallurgy. So the tale of Hephaestus is that Hera was incredibly pissed off that uh, Zeus was just throwing out bastards left, right, and center. So she's like, fuck you, I can make my own child without you. And through Brimo Chenitor, she made Hephaestus. However, Hephaestus was, uh, had a congenital birth defect, and angry that the child that she made by herself had deformities, uh, Hera threw him off Mount Olympus. Uh, there is a, another version of the myth, um, which is a lot less told, which is that Hephaestus tried to make sexual advances at Hera, and Zeus threw him off Mount Olympus, which is why he became disfigured. He became disfigured after the fall. But traditionally, and, and the one that's not like more popular like oh it's more popular to have a baby with disabilities um not that there's anything wrong with that but um it's more widely known that Hera threw him off for being imperfect because Hera is the goddess of motherhood and marriage and she can't have a stain on her record she's already got enough stains on her record because her husband fucks anything with a pulse um so when he fell to the planet he was raised by the ocean nymph Thetis, who is also the mother of Achilles. And then eventually, when he returned as the god of metallurgy to Olympus, he tricked everybody by acting like super chill, being like, No, you know, I'm not angry. Here, let me make a golden throne for the goddess, the mother goddess. And Hera was like, Hell yeah, golden throne, what's up, what's up? Uh, however, when she sat on it, it was a trap. And everybody's like, how could you do this to your mother? And Hephaestus is like, I don't have a mom. Um, so there was many people who tried to, like, get to Hephaestus and, like, try to be like, look, this is, you gotta do something. Ares tried, but, uh, he couldn't withstand the fires of the forge. So Dionysus, uh, went down there, got him drunk, and was able to convince him to at least meet with the gods to, like, negotiate. In one version of the myth, um, he talks to Zeus to try to get Athena's hand in marriage, which leads to an attempted rape on Athena, but it doesn't work. Um, in another version, he forces Hera to give him Aphrodite as a wife, which, um, for those who know uh, the various myths of Aphrodite, does not work out. <laughs> well, I mean, it works out. Like, they're, they're, they stay married, but uh, 
she fucks around on him with Ares all the time. And I don't believe they actually have any children together. The next type is the adventurer, the ISFP. These are open-minded people who approach life with new experiences and grounded warmth. And they unlock many opportunities by being the uh, being in the moment. Um, since I had already used Hermes and a different one, I had to figure out a new god of like travel and warmth. Uh, so I did uh, Tara, or Sigrol Ma. So Sigrol Ma is a Buddhist goddess who is said to be the feminine counterpart of Avalokiteshvara. Uh, who is another Bhatshiva or Buddha to be. So what had happened was Avalokiteshvara uh, wanted companionship and he began to cry and one of his tears fell into water and from his tear grew a lotus petal who then emerged a beautiful goddess to be his companion. Uh, she is the protectress of navigation and earthly travel and she also is the one who is to protect those who are on the spiritual travel of, along the path of enlightenment. There isn't a lot about her so that's why this section is a lot shorter. Our penultimate type is the entrepreneur, ESTP. These are energetic and action-oriented people who navigate life looking for opportunity either in social pursuits or personal gain. I saw opportunity and immediately like, cool. This is Kairos or Ocasio, the Greco-Roman god of luck, opportunity, and favorable moments. Um, there isn't a lot about Kairos. He is the youngest son of Zeus. And a lot of people were like, okay, well, the youngest son usurps the youngest, the usurps their father in these things, you know. Uranus was the youngest son of before then. No, it was Kronos was the youngest son of Uranus. Zeus was the youngest son of Kronos. So everybody thought, okay, so Caterus is going to take over for Zeus and usurp his father. But Caterus is like, nah, dude, I'm a wife guy. So he got married to Tyche, the goddess of fortune, and they just sort of went about uh, delivering luck and fortune to the Greek populace. Well, the Greco-Roman populace, but in the Roman, he's known as Acasio. Our final type is the entertainer. ESFP. These people love vibrant experiences, engaging in life eagerly, and take pleasure in the unknown. Very social, often dragging other people into their activities. So I thought this would be a good one for Ame no Uzume no Makoto, the Shinto goddess of celebration. Um, for those who remember the third episode of Lady Monsters, it would have been the Sadie Hawkins Monster Mash after party there was a deity in there whose name was like Suzuhiko Hime, which was a yokai who was at the celebration. Um, that So there was, uh, you know, Amaterasu was in a cave and she was hiding from the world because she was angry with Susano, the moon god, because he killed her friend, you know, harmed his crops, um, was just being a generalized little asshole. She's just like, fuck you, I'm taking away the sun. And she hid in the cave. And it was Amenazume making a big um, commotion outside, starting a big celebration, creating the Kagura dance that uh, coaxed her out of the cave so they could seal it off. And she never, and Amaterasu, you know, brought Sun back to the world. Um, in addition, she also asked Amenazume to escort her grandson Ninigi to Earth. And so they had to go via the Ameno. Ooh, is that a K? Ukuhashi? Akiha Ukuhashi. I'm so sorry, I have no Japanese language. 
and I wrote this very quickly because I was excited the notes were almost over, so my penmanship is a bit shit here. But it was known as the Floating Bridge of Heaven. And one of the issues they ran into is uh, a person named Saru, Saru Tahiko. He is the leader of the Earthly Kami. And he blocked their path, being like, okay, you know, the Heavenly and the Earth shouldn't mix. And I have no better way of doing this. <laughs> And this is probably just because I'm still half awake. But essentially, Ami no Izumi is like, but what about these titties? Uh, so what she does is she exposes her breasts and flirts with him. And it allows Ninigi to go to Earth. And it's l later on. Um, I don't know if this was just part of the tradition as a whole. Because it's also a little part of me is like this feels like the type of thing that like when christianity got to a myth and like changed it a little bit but like because later on saru tahiko and aminozume become married and their husband and wife and like a little part of me is like is this like i'm sure this was just part of it as a whole like this meeting on the bridge but like it like no offense to the you know various christian sects but this does reek of the like well he saw her titties so that they don't both die in sin they're gonna have to get married um this tradition is also what makes uh devotees of Aminozume have the ritualistic of showing of their breasts to each other as a form of greeting and yeah that's the 16 personality types and uh various gods that i thought fit the bill um this episode took a lot less time than i thought it would which is a little sad from the amount of time it took to make this segment it could also just be um personal life issues uh causing trouble but that's gonna do it for this week um a little bit of a shorter episode than usual i apologize for that i didn't think i was gonna speed through these so quickly um it's also probably a little faster because I cut six minutes of dead air from me constantly having to uh, think through sentences and uh, a bunch of the times where I just say, um, and uh, I cut those fuckers right out. Um, but yeah, if you uh, like this episode, let me know. You can contact me at White Trash Historian on Instagram or TikTok. Um, again, I'm announcing uh, September's book, uh, We Don't Talk About Book Club, Book Club book on tiktok because i'm trying to get on to book talk and um i don't have next week's episode planned yet i have a few ideas strumming about i probably will save one of them for later because it's very similar to stuff i've done recently and i need, i want to spread out topics a bit but uh i i have a pretty good idea of what next week's is going to be actually and yeah, um, instead of continuing to ramble, um, I'm going to say goodbye, and I'll see you guys next week. Uh, I'll try to, once again, I will say I will try to get the episode out for Sunday for patrons, and then have it so that it's recorded, and I don't have to do it Tuesday morning, but um, who the fuck knows. Alright, have a good week. Bye.